Content of this advertising. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. are you, Jesus? Who do you think you are, Jesus? They were asking him questions. And Jesus kept drilling down into who he was. And they were unwilling to accept it. Even his disciples they were having a very difficult time with who are you Jesus and Jesus in the book of Mark keeps walking through experience after experience where he tries to say in very concrete ways who he is but please may I just confess to you I come today out of deep groaning. And my groaning is around this question. Who are you, Jesus? Oh, not theologically. I know who Jesus is. He's, he's God. He's the Son of God. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the majesty of heaven. We can answer intellectually who you are, Jesus. Jesus is never satisfied with that answer because he knows what is in the heart of every man and woman and deeply buried in the heart of every man and every woman is unbelief. And everything is from the perspective of how can we use what we know how can we use our skills and our abilities to accomplish for ourselves what we believe we need to do in order to have a comfortable life? So let's look at some of these stories that are being taught. Understand that, that Mark is not made up of random stories. They were intellectually, spiritually, at the direction of the Holy Spirit, set up in a specific manner to communicate to us the truth about Jesus Christ. So let's not take them and divide them today. Let's see what the running truth is about Jesus and let's let it confront our unbelief. Let's let it deal with the groanings of our heart and expose the depth, the depth of our struggle with who Jesus is. Don't just blow off that question. 
Don't be comfortable in your intellectual answer. Let's look at the deeper issues. We'll begin in Mark, the seventh chapter. He has just returned from the vicinity of Sidon and Tyre. He is now coming into the Decapolis or the Ten Cities by the Sea of Galilee. And some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. And they begged Jesus to place his hand on this man and heal him. This is found in Mark 7, beginning in verse 32. Now, I very quickly identify with these people because there is a spiritual truth that Mark is trying to bring home to our hearts. There is a spiritual truth the Holy Spirit wants to reach in and adjust in our minds. Jesus takes this man aside. I've been saying all morning, Oh Lord, would you take me aside? Would you put your arm around my shoulders and just take me aside for a few minutes? And would you would you groan over me, Jesus? I need Jesus to groan over my life. I recognize that I can come and speak the word of God day by day to you, and I have in every respect tried to be faithful in that duty. I have tried to express to you the fullness of what I know about Jesus. And yes, I know much about him, and I have walked with him for many years. But I still recognize that I am very shallow. I lack the deep in my spirit. And any man who says he doesn't is a deceived man. In our day and age, we don't have men and women who speak in the power of the Spirit, the power of a John Wesley or a Whitfield, the power of a Jonathan Edwards. And I'm saying, oh God, I'm groaning in my heart. Because if ever there was a time in our culture when America needs a John Wesley or a George Whitfield or a Jonathan Edwards, today is a day would you bring up such a man or such a woman that they would speak to our nation been asking Jesus, take me aside, please, and groan over my life, that in the small place you've put me in this little AM radio station, 
I could speak of the deep things of the Spirit in such a manner that you who listen would be turned from darkness and brought fully into the light. Jesus takes him aside from the crowd and he, he puts his fingers into the man's ears. And then he uses some spittle and he touches the man's tongue. And he looks up to heaven and with a deep sigh in the NIV, but literally in the Greek with a deep groaning, he says to this man, be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened and his tongue was loosed and he began to speak plainly. I'm saying, oh, Jesus, would you come and groan? Would you come and groan over my life? Would you put your fingers in my ears? Would you put your spittle on my tongue? Would you give me ears to hear and a tongue to speak words of truth, words of conviction, words that would cut through the darkness and separate the darkness and the light? Jesus, will you come and groan over my heart and over my life like you did over this man why did Jesus groan? Because it's not an easy thing to open a man's ears or to loose his tongue. Because men say, I can hear fine. I can hear the television. I can hear the voices of the world. I can hear just fine. Thank you very much. I can hear the shallow teaching of the gospel. Oh, I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about the deep things concerning who Jesus is. I'm talking about coming to understand what Jesus wants to do in bringing righteousness into your life. Jesus is not some symbol of peace. He said, I came to bring a sword. I came to separate a man and his wife, a brother and a sister, children and parents. I came to separate out. What is it that separates them out? Some will hear and some will not hear. Some will hear the deep truths of Jesus Christ and they will respond and they will walk through the gates of righteousness and they will be saved. Now we find a familiar story, a familiar storyline beginning in Mark the 8th chapter. During those days there was another large crowd gathered and they were hungry they called
upon Jesus and they had listened to him teach. Jesus called his disciples and he said, I have compassion for these people. These are many of them Gentile people from the Decapolis, from the Gentile cities. He said, they've already been with me three days and they've run out of food. They don't have anything to eat. If I send them home hungry, they're going to collapse on the way. Some of them have come a very long distance. And his disciples answer him. They say, but where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed this crowd? And Jesus said, how many loaves do you have? They answer him, we have seven loaves. Seven is the number of perfection. We have seven little loaves of bread. So he had the crowd sit down on the ground, and he took these seven loaves of bread in his hands, and he gave thanks for them, and he begins to break them and give them to his disciples to hand out to the people. Now they also had in the crowd a a basket with a few small fish, dried fish. He took these and he he broke them also and he, he passed out this wonderful protein. And the people ate until they were completely full. They were satisfied. And then the disciples pick up seven baskets In other words, there were 12 baskets before, one for each tribe of Israel. Now there are seven baskets, meaning Jesus will give a perfect amount of food for the Gentiles. There were about 4,000 men, plus women and children, probably a crowd of more than 8,000 people. Jesus fed them all. And then he sent them to their homes. And the Pharisees, the Pharisees came and they began to question Jesus. They began to test him, asking for a sign from heaven. And again, he groans deeply. Now remember, at the beginning of this teaching, he groaned deeply as he put his fingers in the ears of a man and as he touched the man's tongue with his spittle, he groaned. Why would Jesus groan? It wasn't hard for him to heal this man. He groaned because of the hardness of giving a man ears that will hear the true gospel of Jesus. We have an aversion to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, we can hear the good news that you're saved, that the blood of Jesus covers you, and now go as you are, and and there's nothing to worry about. You're saved, you're good to go. No groaning in that gospel. 
But that's not Jesus' gospel. Jesus' gospel was deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me to Golgotha, where you will be crucified with me. And then you will be resurrected with me, and you will live a new life. You will no longer walk in sin. You will walk in righteousness. You will have the victory over all darkness. You will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, now there's a gospel that's difficult because it requires that a man or a woman give up their life and follow after Jesus Christ. A man called me last night. He said, Pastor, I'm so irritated with God. I said, why would you say such a thing? He said, because God is not doing things that I need to have done. I said, is God your servant? I said, there is not anything possible that God could do that would irritate me or make me upset with him. There's nothing he could do because he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He holds my life in his hands. I am utterly, totally, completely submitted to him. This man said, well, I'm, I'm thinking about not following Jesus anymore. I said, well, then who are you going to follow? Are you going to follow yourself? Are you going to follow the devil? Who are you going to follow? He said, I don't know. But I know I want Jesus to do these things for me, and he's not doing it, and I am frustrated, and I am angry. I'm not getting the success at work that I need. I'm not having the, the relationships that I need. I'm miserable. I'm not getting the house that I need. Oh, he was upset. He said, do you think Jesus is Santa Claus? Do you think it's God's job to be your servant and bring to you what you want? Well, I'm frustrated. I said, my dear brother, die. Let the root of bitterness be removed from your heart and your life. God is not here to serve you. You are here to serve him. But there is this deep, sense of entitlement in our culture today that says, I am owed. I'm owed by the government. I'm owed by my job. I'm owed by my EBT card. I am owed by all kinds of things. I deserve it. I earned it. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You're not entitled to health care. You're not entitled to rent for your house. You're not entitled to a good time. You're entitled to nothing. You're expected to understand that if you want something, there will be a cost. If you want salvation, there is a cost associated with following Jesus Christ. You must give up your sense of entitlement if you are going to follow Jesus Christ. 
He is not Santa Claus. You're going to have to surrender your life. So now these Pharisees come and they're asking for a sign from heaven that Jesus is who he says he is. And he's groaning over this. And he says, I tell you the truth, no sign will be given to it. No sign is necessary. A sign points to someone someone or something. A sign is a giving of direction. They get no sign because Jesus is it. No sign needs to point to Jesus. He is the reality. But they want a cute little sign. Then he left them. Now, I don't know about you, but that's frightening to me. Do you think Jesus will not leave you? Assuredly, he will leave you. If you ask Jesus with a sense of entitlement, he will leave you. If you are unwilling to submit your heart to him, he will leave you. If you walk in unbelief, he will leave you. He left them, got back into the boat, and went to the other side. He left the Pharisees. Well, the disciples in the boat had forgotten to bring any bread. Oh, no, they had one loaf of bread with them. Jesus begins to speak to his disciples. Listen to what he says. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. And they discussed with one another and said, It's because we don't have any bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts stupefied? Are your hearts made of stone? Are you still dumbed down? disciples? That's what he's asking them. Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? Don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the five thousand? How many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the four thousand, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Seven, they answered. And he said to them, Do you still not understand? Do you still not understand? Understand what? That Jesus is the bread of life. Remember, I shared that with you yesterday. But for those of you who weren't listening, Jesus says, to the disciples. I am the bread of life. 
I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. What he's saying is, there is no life in the wicked entertainment of this world. You will sit down and spend five hours filling your heart with television wickedness. There's no nurturance there for you. There's nothing to feed your soul there. You will spend hours talking with other men and women about the football game. There's no life there. Don't you understand, he's saying. Don't you understand? Are you, are you dumbed down? Are you stupefied? Are you calloused of heart? There is no life in this world. There's no life in darkness. Do you understand? There is only life found in Jesus Christ and in what he gives to us to support us in the journey as we go through this wicked, dark world. And he gives us partners to walk with us. He gives us children to raise and be holy. He gives us jobs. He gives us his precious word. He gives us opportunity for fellowship. He gives us opportunity to hear the words spoken in such a manner that it awakens our heart. He doesn't withhold from us anything of light and joy and refreshment. He is the bread of life. And we are called to leave the darkness and dwell in the light. We are called to abide in him, to remain in him. And he warns us, if we don't remain in him, John 15, we can bear no fruit. And we will be cut off and cast into the fire. Now, what is, what is it about these two men he has named? Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. Well, what is the yeast of the Pharisees? The yeast of the Pharisees are their belief, and I didn't have time to go into it today, earlier in the book of, of Mark, where they're very concerned about the washing, the washing of their hands, the traditions of the elders, the traditions of the calendar year of the church. They're very concerned about the externals. And Jesus says to them, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. We have all kind of religious rules being taught by men, but they're not of the Spirit and they don't bring life. They bring a dry religious formalism called religion, but they don't bring the life of the Spirit to us. So on one side, you have the Pharisees who are the ultra-religious people 
who are great at the external stuff, but inside they're full of dead men's bones. They're whitewashed tombs. When you talk with them, there is no spiritual glow in their face. There's no passion in their heart. There's no groaning before God. They're casual. They're laid back. They're happy. They think they're saved. They think they're on their way to heaven. These are the Pharisees. And then Herod. He walks in the same unbelief that the Pharisees walk in except he walks in utter darkness in the pleasures of this world. He loves the song and the dance. He loves the alcohol. He loves the power plays. He loves the money. He loves being considered as one who is supreme. He loves the adulation of the crowds. Jesus is saying, the Pharisees and Herod are full of yeast. And if you become filled with this yeast, it will grow inside of you and it will fill your whole body and it will take you to hell. This yeast is aggressive. It grows. It permeates every part of a man's soul. It drains away all spiritual life. It makes a man so he can't see and he can't hear and he can't speak. That's why I come. Groaning. I come groaning before God today. I come groaning for my own life that I will not have any of the yeast of the Pharisees or of Herod. And I come groaning today for you. I come in the spirit of the living God, putting my fingers in your ears, touching your tongue with the spittle of Jesus. And I groan as I say, be opened, be healed. I groan for you, my brothers and sisters, that that you would be brought into the deep place of understanding that Jesus alone can nourish us, that Jesus alone is in charge of our hearts and our lives. that Jesus is not just God. Jesus is my God and your God. And it requires getting rid of the yeast of the Pharisees. It requires getting rid of the pleasures of this world called Herod. It requires that we eat of the broken body of Jesus and that we drink his blood. This is spiritual talk. This is not talking about the sign of communion. Communion is but a sign. The blood 
being represented by the grape juice or the wine and the broken body being represented by the bread broken. That's a sign pointing to the real bread and to the real wine. It's pointing to the broken body of Jesus and to the spilled blood of Jesus at the cross, but he no longer has a broken body, and he no longer has blood. He's no longer flesh and blood. He's now spirit. He has a spirit body, and he reigns in heaven above, and he's trying to get his people now to move, to groan, to ask that by his spirit he would come and open our ears and touch our tongues, touch our eyes, that we could begin to understand who he is. Who are you, Jesus? Who are you, Jesus? He begins talking about Another story of vital import for us to understand. As they were walking, they came to Bethsaida. And there some people brought a blind man to him. And they begged Jesus just to touch this blind man so that he could see. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. Again, Jesus is taking him aside. I'm praying that God will take you aside today. I'm praying that he will take me aside today. He spit on the man's eyes and he, he put his hands on him. And he said, do you see anything? And he looked up and he said, I see people, but they're like trees walking around. In other words, he just saw shadows. He couldn't see clearly. He was still blind. He could see the light. The people were like trees walking around, but he couldn't make out their features. And once more, Jesus puts his hands on the man's eyes. And then his eyes are open, and his sight is restored, and he saw everything clearly. I'm saying, oh, Jesus, I need, I need that second touch. You touched me once, but I still don't see clearly, Jesus. We've got to see Jesus clearly. We've got to see each other clearly. We've got to see the word clearly. We've got to have our eyes opened. We've got to be touched from on high. I'm saying, Jesus, I need a second touch. I need a second touch so I can clearly discern the yeast of the Pharisees and the yeast of Herod. I need Jesus today to groan over me, to groan over you. Because in the groans of Jesus are healing.
in the groans of Jesus Christ is found healing. I'm saying, Jesus, would you take your church in Washington, D.C. aside? Will you give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a mouth to speak? Would you break the deception of this wicked lie that we can go to our little friendly cultural or our big entertaining church and then we can go out and live as we choose? We can have a little sentimental attachment to Jesus, but bottom line, what we want is money and success. What we want is what we want, and we want Jesus to give it to us. And so, preacher, give us strategies for success. Teach us how to win. Are you kidding me? That's the yeast of Herod. Jesus said, be careful of the yeast of Herod. I don't want the yeast of Herod. I want the blood of Jesus Christ. I want Jesus to groan over me. I want him to give me sight. I want Jesus to give me hearing. I want Jesus to give me a tongue to speak his word. I want to be clear about how to walk in the narrow way on the highway of holiness. I want the gates of righteousness fully open before me. I want the power in the indwelling of Pentecost upon my life. I want you to be convicted by the words I speak. I want you to turn from darkness and repent. I want you to find Jesus. So I come, groaning in my spirit before God, knowing that there is no ability of mine that can turn you toward heaven, that he must come and act in a sovereign manner on your behalf, and he must confront you with the dumbing down you have received in the modern church. He must remove the stupefaction from your heart and your life. He must do to you and to me what he has done to his disciples. He must bring us to a place where we see and understand who he truly is. That we could be raised up and seated with him in heavenly places. That we would burn with passion for Jesus. the fire of the Holy Spirit would be in us and upon us. Now Jesus continues and they arrive in Caesarea Philippi. Now this is not a place where a good Jew would be found. This is a wicked, wicked place. And as they're walking in Caesarea Philippi, he says to them, who do people say that I am? In other words, what's the feedback you're getting about me? What are they saying about me? And they replied, some say that you're John the Baptist. 
risen from the dead. Others say that you're Elijah. Still others say you're one of the prophets. But what about you, he asks. Who do you say I am? And Peter quickly answers, You are the Messiah. You are the Christ. You are the anointed one of Israel. And Jesus warned them, Okay, don't talk about this publicly. Okay, now they have made the true confession. And so Jesus now begins to bring them into the depths of what that means. He begins to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things. Now I'm going to talk later about what else happened here. It was here that he said he would build his church on that great rock facing the cliff from which the water was flowing and everyone considered it to be the entrance into hell. Everyone considered it to be the entrance into the realm of death and the goat gods, they had carvings out of the rock and they had placed in these carvings their goat gods and their other gods. And it was here that Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. And he begins to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must die, he must be murdered, he must be killed. And then after three days, he said, I'm going to rise again. He spoke very plainly about this. And Peter, the one who has confessed that you are the Christ, he takes Jesus aside. Remember, two times Jesus took people aside. But now Peter takes Jesus aside and he says to him, No. No. It's not going to happen. It can't happen. Peter began to rebuke Jesus for saying these truths. They did not accord with Peter's heart. Peter could intellectually say, Jesus, you are the Messiah. Based on the external evidence, you are the Messiah. But in Peter's heart, he cannot accept that Jesus is the atoning Lamb of God. He cannot accept that Jesus is not going to set up his kingdom in this world. He is dumbed down. He has a stupefied heart. He does not understand. And so he begins to rebuke Jesus. But Jesus turns and in front of his disciples, he says to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. And then he begins to teach the people, If anyone would come after me, this is 
Mark, the eighth chapter, verse 34, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me, for the gospel, he will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Please, my brother, my sister, you cannot have Jesus and the world. You cannot. What can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory. He's given to us a series of stories of real events. And Mark has laid them out in such a manner that there can be no question that he is trying to teach us a very serious lesson. That as long as we try in any manner to hold our life to ourselves, as long as we continue to reach out and participate in the darkness of the world with Herod, or as long as we continue to focus and think that our little rituals are going to save us, as long as we think that our little religion is all we need. He's saying you cannot be born again. You cannot go to heaven. You will be shut out of eternity. Do you see why I come groaning in my spirit today? Even his precious disciple Peter does not understand. And Jesus is forced to rebuke him publicly. And I am rebuked with Peter. And you too are rebuked with Peter. For which of us has not been dumbed down and stupefied? There is such a depth that Jesus is calling his people to. There is such a depth of repentance. There is such a depth of turning away from the life of Herod or the Pharisees. There is such a life of self-denial, of taking up our cross, an instrument of execution and following after Jesus. Such a depth of saying no to ourselves and our reputation and our desires that we would only feast on Jesus Christ and be filled with the gospel of Jesus Christ that we can be made righteous, that we can be restored to him, 
that we no longer have to walk in the degradation and the wickedness of this age. Don't be self-satisfied, my brother, my sister. Turn aside. Go to any length necessary to find Jesus Christ and let him take you aside. Put his armor around you. Open your ears. Open your eyes. And loose your tongue to glorify him. We have time for a quick call if someone would like to call and share. If someone would like to call and ask, please, to be prayed for. You recognize how dumbed down you've been. You're with me and groaning. Call quickly, 877-534-0780. You recognize that this message today, if you receive it, if you receive this message, it'll mean a total change in your life. It'll mean a total consecration to Jesus. It'll mean you become a new person, not a religious person and not a worldly person, but a new person in Christ Jesus. I'm saying, oh, Jesus, make of us new people in America. Awaken this Christian church. Put a, put a charge in the hearts of your men and women who have been asleep who have been dumbed down, who've been stupefied, who are in a daze in this world wondering, what's going on? How do I find Jesus? Is there a hunger in your heart today to get to Jesus, the Jesus of Scripture, not the Jesus of the feel-good church, the cotton candy church, the real disciplined army of God that walks in righteousness and holiness that seeks after Jesus with all their hearts, with passion, with fire, with desire. Are you tired of a cold, lukewarm heart, half, half following Jesus and half following the world? Are you tired of that life? And my brother, my sister, come and let Jesus groan over you. Let Jesus touch you. Almighty God, I plead today for every man and woman who's listening to this broadcast. I know it's not what they're used to listening to on the radio. But Lord, I'm asking, would you please come and groan over your people? Would you come, Jesus, and rebuke us as necessary? Heal us where we're broken and anoint us with your Holy Spirit's fire. Jesus, I plead for Washington, D.C., and I plead for our nation that we will not be swept along by the foolishness of the media, that we will not be swept away with the wickedness 
of this nation's lust for money and power and comfort. O oh Lord, would you come and answer the question for every man and woman? Who are you, Jesus? And would you utterly destroy the shallow, unproductive? Would you come and bring contention? Would you come and show the blindness and the deadness and the darkness? Would you confront your church in this nation today and the pastors who preach such shallow lies. Lord, awaken your people. Forgive us. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Thank you. I pray in your name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. I invite you to go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. You'll find there where and when we meet. You'll find a mailing address for your tithes and offerings to help support this broadcast. My brother, my sister, groan today before Jesus. I'll talk to you soon. I love you. <laughs>